Welcome to the Marigold Effect Podcast. When you listen to this podcast, we hope you feel hopeful and encouraged. We hope you feel challenged to learn and grow. We hope you feel connected. We hope we make you laugh. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. I'm Katie Borbina. I'm Michelle Williamson, and this is the Marigold Effect Podcast. Hi, Katie. Hi, Michelle. We're in the home stretch, Katie. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's hard to believe we're so close to wrapping up what's been a total roller coaster of a year. Yes, it has. I was just thinking recently about how I feel like I have whiplash most days. Um, everything just changes so rapidly and I feel like one minute we're filled with hope and next we're back at square one, kind of wondering when we're going to find our way out of this mess. So this year has been a good lesson in letting go of control. Yeah. I, so I have this new term, you know, I like to come with my new terms and I've been reading about this notion that all living things spiral when they grow, such as flowers, trees, shells, and humans. So we go from like a lower level to an upper level. And we see how radical this is when we when we watch young children grow. We see them from year to year. And, and every year we're like, oh my gosh, they look so much older. Their, their transformation yep. is incredible. And the seedlings that I planted, like they seem to like almost grow overnight. So this idea of spiraling upward was helpful as I've been feeling like I'm in this like cycle of feeling Mm -hmm. complacent, not motivated, irritable, and at times just hopeless. And then when all these cases of COVID in Michigan started to skyrocket again, my, my feeling was like, oh my gosh, here we are again. And I was feeling really down. So this idea of spiraling up is that we may actually be experiencing a similar moment to that, to something that occurred in the past with all the same feelings and reactions, but now there's new insight, like there's new circumstances and new challenges different than before. And I realize this is how we grow. Um, I'm actually not in this cycle of negativity that stays stagnant. I've actually have been spiraling upward because um, I've been back to walking miles in the morning and I realized, yeah, I know, right? It's been yeah. a while. But, you know, when I first started doing that, there was all this fear of the unknown. My anxiety was really high. And I was walking here the other day and I realized it, like it's just this new insight into the unknown like there there is still this fear of the unknown and mm-hmm. but i've just sort of come to embrace it in a different way um and mm-hmm. my parents just had their 60th wedding anniversary Aww. i know and wow it, it, it is it seems like wow that's a long time because i can remember when i was a teenager i went to my grandparents 65th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. and I remember like we're standing at the table, I don't know, serving food. And in my head, I'm like, ain't no way I'm spending 65 years with one person. That is insane. Yeah. Um, So I was just talking to my mom and I said, you know, like, did you ever think you would be married for 60 years? And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, we have the same disagreements as we did when we first got married. But now we use different words and we Mm -hmm. understand each other in a different way. so I think that must be how you spiral upward, uh, you know, in a marriage. Um, mm-hmm. So it's my new check-in system. If I feel like I'm in this, you know, circle cycle, um, I just take time to decide 
um, you know, like be present, like is, you know, is this really the same or have I developed a new insight um, that I need to be present with? So um, mm. anyway, I found I just found the term very, very interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a really great perspective to have. I like that spiraling upward. I especially love the metaphor of seeing the rapid transformation of seedlings. Um, the spiraling and the growing, it's really similar, I think, to the transformation we see in young children, just that, like you said, the rapid, rapid growth and the changes that we see in early childhood are amazing. So it makes me think about spring too, though, and how fast everything grows and changes. And this week in particular, the trees have really started to flower and yeah. bloom and grow in my neighborhood. They're beautiful. beautiful. And, yeah. I always love it, but I'm always... I mean, I, it's hard for me to even enjoy it because I know it's going to be over so soon. Um, I want to make it last longer. Yeah. So I think, I, I feel like that's how early childhood is too. Even uh, even in the midst of tumultuous year that we've had, babies and children are still blooming. They're still blossoming. They're still growing. Children are meeting new milestones and so are all of us as adults, even if even if it's not as recognizable. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's definitely happening. And I, I think you're right. We can take a moment to look at what is that growth? What is that spiraling upward? Um, we're so drawn to meaning making. I think I am in particular, I guess, and always trying to learn and grow. One thing I've been trying to think about a little bit more is that maybe there needs to be a little distance. And sometimes I get frustrated when I can't see what's the meaning of this. What's the lesson? How am I growing? So I'm kind of trying to be a little more patient and know that that might not show up for a while from now. It might take a little time before we can kind of see what what this adverse experience um will lead to for us in terms of growth so maybe after you know 60 years (laughs) maybe um, or maybe sooner um but yeah so that's that's something i've been thinking about yeah yeah it is i mean i do think the whole idea of spiraling upward is about making meaning that's your new insight that there's there you've given it a new meaning um and we've talked about what, you know, this whole past year, we've talked about what we've learned, you know, what lessons we've learned, unexpected joy, all those things that we really didn't expect um, to happen. And it did. And it's it's given us new meaning. Yeah. Yeah. So even though my cup, it doesn't feel especially full right now, I don't feel particularly inspired um, at the moment. And that's OK, because that's where I am at the moment. But um, there are still really good things in my life that are giving me comfort right now. Um, and that is centered on um, the the themes that have been there all year, nature, um, time with my family, bike rides, spending time on my front porch, deep rides with the tap off <laughs> recently. Um, you know, all those, those things that are really important. Um, they're keeping me going. So how about you, Michelle? What are the, what are the good things that are bringing you comfort right now? Well, like I said, you know, being able to walk Nala on a regular basis in the morning, um, that's just been a, a, a feeling of joy on a couple of levels. One, you know, I, I'm with you. Spring is really uh, nice, especially in the early morning. Uh, the mm. birds, man, are so yeah. loud in the morning. I'm like, wow. Yeah, they're funny. They are. <laughs> um, and then there's like a herd of rabbits, I swear, in the neighborhood. Like they're just scurrying about. Um, okay. So it's just it's just interesting what's going on in the early hours of the morning. You're like um, white in the morning with all the little creatures. Like, <laughs> just, I'm like, I like the little princess. Hello, little yeah. creatures. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, just humming as I walk along. Yeah, that's not happening. But anyway, um, 
it's just nice to walk and, and not have a lot of pain because uh, I've been yeah. nursing a meniscus tear for about a year. But so we're, we're getting on with it. And oh, my gosh, preserved lemons. Listen, I what have. You, what even is this? I don't understand. What are preserved lemons? Oh, they're like the greatest idea. And I have obviously been sleeping under a rock because I've never heard of them. Me either. So Avery wanted to make a cake that had preserved lemons. And my aunt from Arizona sends me 25 lemons. That's a whole other story. So I'm like, okay, I'll preserve lemons. So what you do is you like cut them open and you put a bunch of salt in them and then you stuff them in a mason jar and then you squeeze a bunch of lemon juice and you put that over there and you put like peppercorns and bay leaves. So they're basically fermented lemons. But like you have intense lemon juice to add to all kinds of food and you can slice them up real quick and put them in like uh different dishes and then avery made a preserved lemon cake wow oh it was good that was good um so anyway it's just like i just found such great joy in that this intense lemon flavor um is available to me all the time now i'm sure everyone else is like oh yeah dude that's you know i think it's been around since the beginning of time so never ever heard of it and actually when you said preserved lemons i i was picturing like candied lemons or something i don't know well and they may be some form of that too like they might have preserved the lemons and then candied them um but i just made a vinaigrette the other day with it and it was like delish and i'm sure people are just like having a good old time that we're talking about cooking (laughs) Yes, well, bringing us comfort right now. My daughter's cooking up a storm too. Chloe's been cooking up. She's gluten free, dairy free, and she's going crazy with the recipes right now. It's amazing. Okay, tell her to look up preserved lemons because she's going to want to have that for her gluten free, dairy free. Right. Like it's essential. Okay, we'll do good. it. Okay, all right. Glad I can contribute important, to that. Important stuff, guys. <laughs> we wanted to tell you about. Yep. All right. I'm going to put I'm going to put a link on how to do preserved lemons on their website. Just I think you should. I think you should. Um, Okay. Hey, you up for a guided visualization with me? Sure. (laughs) And also, yeah. Yeah. Those that are listening, you can also uh, join in. So I just need people to sort of like close their eyes, visualize the scene that I'm going to be describing to you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So here we go. You're taking a trip to see some really good friends, and you are so excited to be taking this trip as the pandemic has limited your ability to travel, and now you're able to safely. And you haven't seen these friends, or you haven't seen these friends in years. Mm. Um, so you board your flight, and you're greeted by the pilot and the attendants. They smile and wish you a good flight. You take your seat and relax for the flight. And across the aisle from you are parents with their young children who are taking their first flight as a family. As you exit the plane at your destination, the ground crew and porters on the plank at the airport smile at you and wave welcome. You hail a taxi to meet your friends at a restaurant. The taxi driver strikes up a conversation with you about where you're from. The taxi driver drops you off at the restaurant to meet your friends. You hug your friends hello and talk about how it's been so long since seeing each other. As you're seated at your table, you notice a couple near you celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. You smile at them, offering your congratulations. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I have a couple questions for you. Mm -hmm. When you got on the plane, um, what did the pilot look like? Old white man. And what about the attendants? Oh, thin blonde women. 
And what about that young family across the aisle from you? Um, I might have missed that part. I might have been, I might have been distracted. <laughs> you were distracted by looking out the window. Yeah, I think um, I wasn't paying attention to them. Okay. I was in my own world. <laughs> what about the taxi driver? Um, yeah, definitely someone of like Middle Eastern descent. Okay. And then the couple that was celebrating their anniversary, what did they look like? Like definitely an older couple that, yeah, white for sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. So you know, on this episode, we're going to talk about implicit bias. And um, one of the reasons I, you know, did that imagery and I've done it myself. Um, it's sort of to look at these hidden blind spots and yeah. the school social workers um, and their community of practice. We've been reading this book called um, Blind Spot Hidden Biases of Good People. And it's been very helpful to help me understand how hidden biases are created in our brains and how we act them out unconsciously. And we don't even know it. Mm -hmm. um, and it outlines how we, um, we have these thoughts and images that are just automatic. We don't even think about them and we're not aware of them. Um, and so when we did the imagery, sort of looking at who, who do you see when you see a pilot, you see an old white guy or you yeah, see yeah. these, you know, attendants who are, you know, thin or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And it's sort of based on this implicit association test, the IAT, which um, mm -hmm. was created. It's a computer program and it measures how fast and accurately people associate different social groups with qualities like good and bad. Um, and we'll post the link on the website if you're interested to take it. Um, and so it's just interesting because I've taken the test um, mm -hmm. and what I think I I know or what my I think my biases are, I'm really not aware of um, mm -hmm. because I have been ingrained for so long with images and ideas and information yeah. that it's um, even though I think, no, I, I don't have a biases around older people or people with disabilities or uh, black people. And when I took the test, it didn't. It, you know, it, it didn't support that. In fact, I have these biases that I'm not aware of. And doing mm -hmm. an Im doing a guided imagery like that can also, um, you know, bring kind of illustrate the same thing that who, we think of pilots as men. You know, we think of taxi drivers as Middle Eastern born um, men, you know, because those are mm -hmm. the images that we see all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's just um, and the idea is that if we can become aware of those, then we can sort of, uh, you know, we can mitigate our decision making or, or become aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting um, exercise that we did. Very interesting. It's really making me think right in this moment about you know, my own biases and why I went to those things. But the IAT test too, I think is an incredible tool. I remember um, when I took those uh, a few years ago, it made me really more keenly aware of some of my biases more than I had been. Um, and I was shocked by some of the things yeah. that that yeah. came up, I thought, oh, wow, I need to take a look at myself. So I think a really important part of that and recognizing, becoming aware of those biases is to know that we do all have them. Yeah. That we all have these biases. We can't stay stuck in feeling ashamed and feeling shame about it. Right. Um, we have them. We need to acknowledge that. And then, like you said, by becoming aware of them, we can make sure that we're not 
acting on those biases unconsciously and discriminating and, um, you know, creating greater inequities in our workplaces and our classrooms and our communities. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it has made me really become more conscious about some of the things I say some based on decisions or based on mm-hmm. assumptions. Um, and so I, I agree. It, it, it is helpful and, and you're right. It, we may feel shame about it or we may feel uncomfortable, but we need to sort of get past that and look yeah. at how we can um, have a real impact on our decision-making. Um, and so one of the questions is like, well, okay, so how do we do that? And, you know, we've always talked about, well, look at, look at data. Mm -hmm. Um, And so another example of a study that was, um, uh, I think actually I've seen it on PBS. I don't think it's in the book, but there, there was a study that orchestras were predominantly male. And so female musicians were saying that the auditions, that they they were biased against women. Mm -hmm. Um, And so interestingly enough, they said, okay, fine, we'll put up screen so you can't see who's auditioning. Mm -hmm. And then they did that. And there still was not a significant change in hiring more female over males after putting up the screen. And one person noted that when the female musicians walked behind the screen, there was a high number of times clicking was heard from their high heel shoes. Wow. Um, So then they had the musicians take off their shoes. And then after that, they found that there was a more, uh, there were more female and male musicians that were more equal after doing okay. that um, and so just that clicking of high heels like we mm-hmm. think but it is automatic we think you know it's a female um and we can do the same thing in our program so we compiled um part of the ts gold data from our winter checkpoint we did it as a part of edgy we wanted to look at our you know a data that we're collecting yep. Yep. so one of the interesting areas that we found is that in the social emotional area um 59 of the males were meeting or exceeding expectations in that area um, versus 74 percent of the females were meeting mm-hmm. and exceeding uh expectations and so there is a um there's definitely a statistical difference um, between the two. And so, um, you know, the question is, well, why is there a difference and is implicit bias contributing to that difference? And that's why I just want to emphasize there's not a right or wrong answer. What we want to do is ask the right questions. Like, Uh why is there a difference? And so, you know, our teaching staff and our programs are predominantly white female. So it makes you wonder, are we evaluating whether children are using successful strategies for Indian groups? That's one of the um, I don't know what you want to call objectives. it. Yeah. One yeah. of the objectives. And so are we viewing males and females differently about how they use successful strategies? Um, so like, you know, I mean, there's this idea that boys are more aggressive. They're more like physical. So then are we interpreting those as females as being not successful strategies in entering group right. opposed to, to females? And then the flip side of that is, you know, that there's this idea that girls are way more verbal than, than boys at that age. And so, you know, are we looking at that verbal um, aspect mm-hmm. of females? Like, you know, are they using that as successful strategies? Are we just, you know, mm-hmm. seeing those as being, um, and sometimes the females verbals can be aggressive and I don't know that we're capturing mm-hmm. that too. Or so mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. these are just questions, um, that I feel like it would be interesting to really think about. Yeah, I agree. 
So interesting and really important questions for us to ask ourselves. What are those unconscious assumptions we are making day in and day out about people and children and families that we work with based on the way they look or, or who they are? Um, one thing I was reading recently gave me hope, especially in early childhood, is a study that found that while you know children start to show bias at a surprisingly young age, they're absorbing all the stereotypes they see. The hopeful part was that they're still young enough that the bias can be unlearned. Yeah. And so I, I think we have just a really valuable opportunity as educators to help children work through their biases. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes children ask us difficult questions about race or about gender or disability, and it can make us feel really uncomfortable or make us feel awkward. But um, as educators, I think we don't need to be afraid to talk about students, about the ways we're different and the ways we're alike. And you'll give them simple, developmentally appropriate explanations that, mm -hmm. that they can understand. So I think it's important to start having honest conversations now with our young children and being aware of our own biases and how we can respond and help our, our children learn and grow. You so I'll share, yeah, go ahead. No, I say you just make a really good point. Like a lot of times kids may notice the difference in skin color and they'll say like, oh, your skin's darker than mine. And a lot of people get uncomfortable about that. Like, oh, don't say that. But no, let's let's talk about the different tones of skin. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. we do all have different skin tones. Um, and so because if we shut the conversation down, your point is taken. That's how kids learn um, those biases. That this is wrong or bad. Wrong. Right? Yeah. We shouldn't talk about these things or yeah. Right. Oh. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, we'll share the link to the article in the show notes of the research article that I was reading about that it has some actually some really good strategies for preschool teachers about helping children to unlearn some of those biases yeah. very young. Yeah, it was really good. So, so anyway, we hope this is helpful to start thinking about um, those hidden biases we may have and definitely check out the book if you think that's something that you would be interested in um, and also the different um, links that we'll have on the website for you and we'll continue to talk about it um, and definitely um, if you're interested in exploring more about how to look at our data um, give us a holler because we're always looking for more people to help us with that um, mm -hmm. the data collection and analysis when we're looking at equity so we would be glad to have your help uh, so Okay, so stay tuned for our Getting to Know You segment with a wonderful team from Dundee GSRP. Woohoo! <laughs> and I hope you have a wonderful April. Yeah, hang in there, everyone. Keep up the great work you're doing and enjoy the spring season. All right, take care. See you, Katie. Bye. Welcome, everyone. This is um, our Getting to Know You segment on the Marigold Effect podcast. And this time we have the dream team from Dundee GSRP. And I say the dream team because I have had the fortunate experience of being in their classroom uh, this last month. And I was really impressed uh, how they run the classroom, how they work so well with each other. So I said to Katie, we got to we have to interview this this team. Yes, yes. And I want to tell you, I hear amazing things about this team all the time, the way you support all students, including those students with IEPs. So I feel like the model of early childhood inclusion is strong and happening at Dundee. So thank you for everything you do. Right. So um, the first thing that we'll have you guys do is just sort of introduce yourself so people can get to know you. And um, so Heather, why don't we start with you? Hi, I'm Heather Hovey. I have taught in Dundee for about eight years. 
Um, I live in Dundee as well, and I have four children. Okay, Brittany. Hi, I'm Brittany. Um, I'm the newbie. I'm mm-hmm. the newest member of this team. Um, I have two kids of my own who are five and seven, and I just joined this team in February. So I'm still new, still you know, dipping my toes here in the water and with Carmen and Heather. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And then Carmen? Carmen Turner. Um, I live in Ida, but I work in Dundee, which is nice and close. And I still have that little bit of rival between the two schools a little bit. Ah. Um, but I have two kids. Um, I am the assistant. I've been there at Dundee for nine years, going on my 10th next wow. October. It is. So it, I, it's been been nice to see this program grow because we, we, me and Heather were there in the beginning. It, I'm very proud of from what we started to where we are now. Yeah, should be as you should be. Yeah, it's great. All right, well, we're going to start off with the first question, and Katie always um, asks the group the first question to to get to know you. Yeah, so I love to hear about people's why. So um, maybe we'll start with you, Carmen, if you can tell us. What's your why? What keeps you coming to work every day? And why do you do this work? I guess I would have to say it's the kids because it's different every day. Their attitudes are different. Your attitudes are different. Mm -hmm. Um, It's mostly just the kids being with the kids and talking to them. I mean, it's a lot of fun and I enjoy just coming. There's days. Yeah. You get it where you're like, Oh, but, but it's once you get there, you get in the groove like, well, why would I have a tough day? It was a great day today. So that's wonderful. Yeah, my why is the kids. Yeah, I love that you're able to have fun with your work. That's great. How about you, Brittany? What's your why? What keeps you coming to work every day? Um, I would have to agree with Carmen on that. But also, um, I'd like to add that I was a stay-at-home mom previously to this mm-hmm. job. So my why is kind of this is it's been eight years since I've had a job. Mm, <laughs> so uh-huh. it's just having a job again is nice to just, you know, wake up every morning and say, I'm going to work. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, so I just that reason in itself, you know, keeps me going. And I do. I love the classroom and I have two awesome coworkers that I'm getting along with well with. So, yeah, those are my reasons why as well. That's great. That helps a lot to have great people to work with. Too. Definitely. So. And how about you, Heather? Tell us your why. Why do you do this work? I think, obviously, the kids are are the why, but I think particularly with the programs that we offer from the ISD, that the I really enjoy that at-risk population. Mm. Um, I really feel like we make a difference, not only to the child, but we can make a difference for the whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think between being involved in foster care and the at-risk population of our programs. It just, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. Wonderful feeling to get up every morning and know that you're going to make a difference. Yes. Great. So I am really interested in what you think the strength of your team is because like I said, I've been able to be in your classroom a few times and 
it's like a well-oiled machine now. You may not think that that's the case, but what I saw was that it was seamless. It just seemed very seamless on how things works. So I'm just interested in what you think makes your... Well, I, I think that it helps with, we all know what jo- everybody's jobs are. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, we work on fixing that problem. And I think that if Heather's busy in dealing with talking to a parent or a speech teacher, somebody coming in, one between Brittany or myself, we take over that control. So it doesn't matter. Our roles will all kind of mesh together. It, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, no one has, that's just your role. We all have a role, but when something is, somebody's busy, we jump into that. It's not like, Hey, you got it. You got it. Okay. I'll take your, I'll do this. You can get that. So I think that we just feed off each other and we really watch where we're at um, as teachers in there. Um, if, hey, that problem if with a child, if Heather is having a difficulty or I'm having difficulty or Brittany, okay, we tag team. Like, okay, I can't get through. Can you maybe you try, you try your magic, you know? So we just kind of feed off like when is enough if somebody's had enough with somebody. Yeah. So we kind of feed off each other. And I just think that there's not, I guess what I want to say is that a lot of the teachers in the school can't tell who is the teacher in their classroom. That is correct. I could not tell. <laughs> yeah. And, and we just kind of laugh, but it it is because if I see a teacher and we know we need to talk to something about them, then we, we just do it. It's just like, hey, I talked to so-and-so. We communicate. Um, I sometimes think that's the big thing right yeah. there is mm-hmm. communicating. And, you know, we really use our Fridays for planning and communicating and deciding. Um, so if we're planning a large group, um, like if we're doing science, that's not my area that I am an expert at. And so Carmen will jump in and she's got science experiments and she's ready to go and she feels really comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just, because we communicate, we know where everybody's comfortable doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and having Brittany come in in February, um, we just tell her to speak up. And if she is ready and willing to jump in and do a large group, then she needs to say, hey, I want to do this one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that, sorry. No, go ahead, Brittany. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say, yeah, coming in kind of towards the middle-ish of the year, um, I think was a little difficult. But I think Heather and Carmen have done such a great job of just kind of getting me in there and saying, okay, you know, if you want to take over or something, go for it, let us know. They've just been so. You're all comfortable taking the lead, but also following. And that definitely requires a strong relationship with each other. So, I mean, that's what I observed because when I came to you the first time, I mean, I think the first time that I actually met you, Brittany, I had come and we were talking about a student and because we were outside, you know, things are happening. I was, it was so interesting as I was asking questions, you literally one would leave off and the other one would pick up. And there was like this <laughs> one conversation I had with three people. But if you was record, if you, if I was recording it, you would not even know I changed. Like it was like, gosh, you guys. And what I was really amazed is that how well you all know the child, which you're right, Heather, that directly reflects how often you guys communicate. Um, and that kind of sealed it for me. I was just, I walked away blown away that day. I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I don't know what other classroom I could walk into where that would actually happen. Um, 
So I think it is definitely one of your strengths, definitely. Um, so I would, you know, I would be very just, I don't know, pat yourselves on the back, gals, because yeah. I think that takes that takes a lot of work. That does. To do all that. Um, so the other questions are kind of fun. I'm just interested, you know, it's always interesting to hear from preschool uh, teachers. So if you guys could take your preschoolers anywhere on a field trip, and we always know that takes some thought, right? Um, where would you want, and let's just say the sky's the limit. You have all the resources and money you would ever want. So Brittany, where would you want to take the preschoolers? Um, I would suggest Wildwood. Um, it's a metro park in Toledo, if you're not familiar with it. It has beautiful, beautiful trails, yes, and um, such a great park even for the kids that they would get to play in. And um, that's definitely one of my ones that I would like to choose maybe in the future. Nice. Yeah, what about you, Heather? Well, we were talking about this in the classroom and I realized that I kind of took the anywhere thing a little literal um so if i could take the kids anywhere i would take them to the georgia aquarium oh it's wonderful um, yeah it's so beautiful and so it's educational but also just so freeing um i don't even know the word but i just we i love the shark experience and with them being able to go right over your head. And I just think the preschoolers would absolutely love to be able to be in that shark experience. Yeah, yeah. I've been there with my family, Heather. It's amazing. And I, yeah, you kind of are walking through this underwater tube and things are swimming over your head. Yeah, what a cool experience. That'd be awesome to share with preschoolers. Wow. How about you, Carmen? I guess I'd go with the basic, going to the Toledo Zoo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> To me, I just also think that is a one-on-one -on -one with you can do with your kid. If the parents yeah. want, it's it's something more individual for just them. It's an experience not with everybody with them, you know, other siblings, just them. Yeah. Um, and that was probably one of my fondest things when I was in school. Nice. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And I just think that they always remember that. Oh, definitely. That's a good old standby. Yeah. So the other thing I'm interested in is you guys got some hidden talents that I'm sure other people do not know about. And so this is the time to like let your let the world know. Um, so, Heather, I know deep inside you have some hidden talent you're dying to tell us about. <laughs> I seriously do not. <laughs> this was the hardest question. And um and this is going to probably, uh, the only thing I could come up with, and it's probably going to make Carmen roll her eyes. <laughs> the only thing, and this wouldn't be hidden from her. Um, I have loved tie-dye since I was probably six years old. <laughs> and I can tie-dye everything from back to headbands to tie-dye day at school, which is not Carmen's favorite day. So, <laughs> um, and I tie-dye in the summer with my kids, and I, it's just, it's something that I love the look of and I love to do. Oh, cool. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we're always looking for merch for the Marigold Podcast. Yeah. So we might have to take yeah. you up on your... <laughs> okay, now we know. What about you, Carmen? What is your hidden talent? You know, I, I, I don't really know. I guess I used to be a 4-H'er. So I used to have show steers at the fair. Now my son is showing them. So part of me, like, hates it because it's so much work. But then it's just like, I'm going to be sad in a couple of years when he's done doing it. Um, it's like, 
that that is such a big responsibility but that i mean it is it's it's a good experience i may complain but it's one of my things where i'm like oh why do you complain you enjoy it and then you're so sad when it's over yeah i guess that probably would be my hidden image that's great yeah (laughs) what about you Brittany? um were you gonna say something heather I was just going to say, Carmen's also got great knowledge about all of farm things and she <laughs> in preschool when we are giving false information to children. And so that's helpful. Well, there's a field trip too, oh, right? My, yeah. The farm. It helps when you grew up on a farm and I'm like, no, no, no. But a lot of the kids know it more than I do. I'm just like, okay, this kid, you know, you can tell that he was grandpa's a farmer or dad's a farmer. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <sighs> So what about you, Brittany? What was one of your hidden talents? Um, yeah, this was definitely a hard question. Um, I would say I'm crafty, which Carmen and Heather have both seen some of my creations. So I would go with crafty. Um, I make cups. I can make signs, T-shirts, like those kind of things. So, yeah. I, if I was a preschool teacher, you would be on my staff because I am horrible at crafts. Horrible. Yeah. First day when she started working, I'm like, "Are you crafty?" She kind of goes, "Well, yeah, cool, yeah." Good pick there. Good skill to have. So, what do you think people get wrong about you, Carmen? What do you think they get wrong about you? Um. I don't know. I guess I would have to say sometimes I, I look maybe more confident than I really am. Uh-huh. And I have to kind of prep myself and pump myself up if I know it's going into a situation mm-hmm. that I don't really want to face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that would be one of mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you do look really confident. I'll give you, you that. Like, yep. <laughs> I, I would, uh, I would not know that. Um, what about you, Brittany? Um, I would go with the same thing. I definitely come off more confident than I am. Um, I know Carmen was just telling me what Tuesday or Wednesday that in my interview, I looked like I had all this confidence and really, I was like, really? Cause I didn't, I, I kind of left that interview thinking like, yeah, I did not get that job. Oh. Um, um, it's, I'm comfortable in different settings, I guess you could say, and just talking in front of a group of people is just not one of my strong suits. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Heather, what is your, what do people get wrong about you? Well, I was discussing this with my family and initially I said that people think I'm an introvert when I'm not. And my mm-hmm. husband laughed and he said, uh, yeah, you're most certainly an introvert. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So I guess what I think they might get wrong sometimes is that when once I get to know somebody, I'm not quiet and I could talk all day long. And I just always hope that my quietness doesn't come across as snooty or stuck up or unapproachable. Hmm. Right. Um, well, I... I don't know, guys, you're doing a good job of hiding those things because yeah. I, I would have never described any of you as those things at all. Same. Maybe a little bit of an introvert, Heather, but I know deep down inside I see the spark. Like, yeah. There's no way you guys can teach the way you do and be introverts at all. Um, I don't. Well, I do think that we're comfortable in that classroom. So yeah. it's like 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know how it is in a classroom. Sure. You guys act like fools sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, I don't care anymore. You know, it's because we're yep. comfortable. You know, it is what it is. We know that we're acting for the kids. We're playing in the kids' roles. So Yeah, you guys do a great job. So the last question, I really am interested in what you can cook to perfection. Like, what do people ask you to cook? Because it's, like, fabulous. How about you, Carmen? Oh, that's a good one. If you really wanted to ask my kids, I did ask them, and they said water. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> but I said, be serious. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, cheesy potatoes, like for a side dish. Oh. I make those. Love, I love those. Okay, good to know. Make a note there over Burbino in our next potluck. We're, we're inviting Carmen. Yeah. Um, what about you, Brittany? Um, I would have to say my enchiladas. Mm. Um, I'm half Mexican, so I've learned how to perfect enchiladas, and they're actually my favorite. Wow. Um, so, yes, they're so good. That sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds really good. What about you, Heather? Um, well, my family would say death by chocolate. Oh. Obviously, it's a dessert. Um, it's a trifle and has lots of chocolate, lots of candies. Um, <sighs> I get requested to bring that to a lot of places. So. That sounds wonderful. Definitely a potluck in our future. Yeah, yeah. We need to invite the Dundee people to our next potluck. <laughs> um, well, you guys, thank you so much for doing this. It, it's really been wonderful to get to know you, and I'm happy that across the county people are are more familiar with you. So, thank you again um, for joining us. Yeah, and thank you. I hope you guys actually have a great rest of the year. It's been crazy totally Mm -hmm. crazy um so i'm hoping that we can end on a good note and can't wait to to start the next year with you yeah thanks for all you do yeah thank Thank you you. the past year has been such a difficult time in our lives our grief anxieties and exhaustion can overwhelm us and we feel like there's no relief when we find ourselves feeling down it is helpful to know that we can still look up In Joy Chosen Bay's book, How to Train a Wild Elephant, she describes a mindfulness exercise that includes intentionally looking up several times a day. Taking a moment to look up at the ceiling, tall buildings, tops of trees, roofs, and the sky can open up our perspective. We can be so preoccupied with our day-to-day worries that we miss the broader view. So my song dedication for all of you for this episode is called Look Up by one of my new favorite musicians, Joy Aladakun. She sings, look up, do you see the sunlight? Hold on, you know trouble's always going to be there. Don't let it bring you to your knees. Look up. Until next time, friends, keep looking up and be a marigold. Sometimes your life feels like a broken roller coaster, a thousand useless moving parts. Sometimes you spend your nights too scared of getting closer, hiding out in the backseat of your car. You tell yourself it's raining, the clouds are in.